This is episode 23, and the double feature for this episode is It's Doll Shit. We're talking about Dead Silence from James Wan and Lee Whannell, who you would know as the duo behind such classic horror films as Saw, Insidious, and they have since broken apart and doing their own stuff now. So we'll be talking Dead Silence, as well as the 2018 British horror film, Possum. It's going to be a good time. Can't wait to get into it. But first, let me introduce my co-host, Paris. What is going on? You know, living the damn dream. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear. And Travis, how's it going, ma'am? I am hanging in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're uh, we've all been uh, well traveled. Well, not me. I haven't gone anywhere, but <laughs> you you two <laughs> have uh, been around the block the past several weeks. It's part of the reason why we haven't recorded in a while. But yep, here we I are. Put some miles on this beast. Mm-hmm. That old hunk of coal that you call a body in your thirties <laughs> now. <laughs> Gross. I don't like. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Travis was in uh, Michigan visiting the uh, Southern Cinema Boys, friends of the show. Yep. What's up? And uh, Paris was here in Florida visiting me for Fest, the annual sure uh, was. punk music festival in Gainesville. So um, safe to say we all had a good time. Yeah, across the board. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Very cool. Well, we won't... Uh, dive into uh the specifics too much of uh what all we got into that's that's not the right not the time or place for that but uh nope. safe to say we're all back home loving life ready to talk about some horror movies so you guys ready to get into it yeah let's do, do it. it cool beans well we're gonna start things off with dead silence i'm gonna go ahead and read the plot synopsis a young widower returns to his hometown to search for answers to his wife's murder, which may be linked to the ghost of a deceased ventriloquist. As I said at the top of the show, directed by James Wan, written by Lee Whannell, film stars uh, Ryan Quantin, Amber Valletta, and the great Donnie Wahlberg. Killer cast. All-time talent. Yeah, we got Bob Goonton on there. I mean, it's just a who's who of uh, just a (laughs) killer talent. Um, Like C-level movie. Did you guys recognize uh, the It Follows kid? Paul from It Follows? I couldn't remember where he... Oh, my gosh. I knew I knew him from somewhere. Mm -hmm. As soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, that's Paul. I'm pretty sure he's probably more known as the... He's the star of Atypical, that that Netflix show. He's the it's oh. kind of a funny story kid to me. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh. Sick pool. Is he the uh, kid movie from, that? from like twelve years ago? 
It's based on a really good book by Ned Vizzini. With uh, Emma Roberts. Zach Galabalakinus. Yep. Yep. Dude, on this or poster, that. he looks like young Toby Maguire. Is that Galabalakinus? No. Fucking <laughs> Keir, Keir Gilchrist. Sick name, by That's the way. That's not a name. Keir have you guys watched Gilchrist. Atypical? Not to get off topic, but I've heard good things, but I have never checked it out. No, I, I haven't. My dad I've likes also heard it. Good things. My dad likes it, so I don't want to watch good it. Thing or a bad thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> he loves TV shows that are heartwarming and inspirational and also like a mm. little trash. Like he. And not I. He has watched every single episode of Gossip Girl. I have watched zero. These were not with me. He just decided to watch that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because my dad loves trash TV. I don't know. It was a good time is what it sounds like. Good for him. Good for Rodney. <laughs> Hope you're listening. Also, uh, the lead He's guy, <laughs> uh, Ryan Quantin, mm-hmm. who plays Jamie. He is From True Blood, right? And True Blood, yes. Yeah, that's how I know him. Oh, God, you would, Travis. I forgot you were a true blooder. Wait, no, Travis. No, no, no. Not, I wouldn't claim myself as a true blooder, but first couple seasons do fuck, okay? First couple seasons <laughs> fuck, then the rest, whenever so she much. turns into a fairy, absolute shit goes off the rails, stop watching. They're still fucking, but the show no longer fucks. <laughs> but that's literally <laughs> Important <it>. distinction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get this this train back on the track. So, dead silence. We're here talking about it. Um, any volunteers for going first, or should I take the lead on this one? What are you guys thinking? Uh, I'll go first if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Let's hear, it, bud. All right, so gonna talk about my first experience with this movie. Uh, saw it in the theater back in the day, in '07, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't really remember anything about it except the beginning and the end. Um, I say that because those were the only things that were familiar this time around. Uh, don't remember liking it too much. Uh, this time around, I'm kind of in the middle on it. It's not a great movie, but I do think it is kind of fun. And I do really like the production of it. I think it looks really good for like a mid-2000s kind of schlocky horror movie. Some good shots, some good use of lighting. Um, even though that's not really like what this movie is going for necessarily. Uh, I don't really remember it being like a kind of like a detective mystery type story either. I thought it was more just like, not necessarily like Saw, but um, just like more killing and like more dolls terrorizing, like more than just like one group of people but <laughs> that's just my memory um so yeah i i liked it overall i guess but there's definitely some problems with it and that's where i will stop i'll i'll, I'll piggyback on that because i feel like we have pretty similar uh pretty similar thoughts on this one so i the whole time i was watching it I was vacillating between like, do I like this movie? Is this movie awesome? (laughs) And I would go from that to like, this is a bad movie, right? Like this sucks. And like the back and forth the whole time. And I think ultimately, especially by the end of it, I want to spend some time on the ending a little bit later, but by the end of it, I was like, okay, 
uh, not a good movie. Did I have a good time? For sure, but <laughs> I think it's yeah, it's it's fun, like kind of in a goofy, silly way. It's not really that scary, uh, and I don't really care about the uh, like the whole like folklore or like digging into like the backstory. I, I'm not really a fan of this kind of genre, um, but I did, did still have fun with it overall. Right, I mean it's it's pretty tropey in the sense of like uncovering a family's like mystery you know what i mean there's like all these sequences that, like you said kind of play out like a detective movie where the main character is like finding little pieces of the story and like uncovering more and more of the mystery and then by the end of it it just like fully jumps the shark and i was just like okay he, he likes uh... doing that james wan James Wan knows how to make a fucking crazy movie. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, overall, there's... I would agree it's not scary. I think part of the thing for me is I just don't find the dummy, like, intimidating. So it's it was like... dummy. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard for me to, like, get invested in, like, the, the tension of the movie. I do think basically all of the tension comes from the craft like, I think James Wan kind of, especially compared to Saw, like, Saw has some cool stuff, but there's also some really corny, like, flourishes in Saw that haven't aged super well. I think some of those flourishes age a bit better in this movie, but it's it still does very much feel like a mid-2000s horror There movie, is some you know? corny stuff in here, but I still kind of like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I th- yeah, uh, the corn the cornball factor works more in some places than others, but... I yeah. do I do appreciate some of it. Um but yeah, overall, you know, kind of right down the middle. I'm kind of right there with you. I'm curious to hear uh where Paris landed on this one. What did you think, Paris? Yeah, so I think that probably pretty similar to where y'all were at with it. Mostly it was like great production design, not very scary. In fact, got to be pretty funny by the end. I was enjoying myself for sure. Um, I think, yeah, kind of vacillating back and forth between, like, is this trash? Do I like it? I think definitely more on the do I like it side. But I really wanted to, I, when I put on the movie, I was watching it on Peacock, and, um, Peacock does a thing where it shows you the, uh, Rotten Tomatoes meter, uh, before you watch the movie, like, when you pull it up for the description and stuff, Mm -hmm. and immediately it said 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, and so I was like, all right, so this is going to be a pretty solid one. (laughs) 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 Well, Dead Silence is interesting because it, like, I mean, obviously the critic rating is is probably, like, 95% pulling from reviews of that time, right? Dead Silence is one that I feel like has kind of had a little bit of, like, a like a cult Maybe not quite a cult following, but there are some people who like really like Dead Silence and think it's like a legitimately it's the James a good Wan movie. Fanboys, yeah, I mean, it's probably just like a subsect of James mm. Wan fanboys who are yeah. like championing this movie. But like I've been seeing over the past, I don't know, probably like five years or so, like more and more people coming out of the woodwork, um, just saying like, yeah, Dead Silence. Remember that movie? It's pretty good. So I was kind of curious part of the reason why I was curious to revisit this one because I I thought I had seen it back in the day but watching it I think this is a movie that I had put on with my buddy in high school and like turned off after like 
10 minutes because i thought it was really stupid like i think that <laughs> i thought i had seen it but mm-hmm. i barely like i didn't remember anything after the first like 20 minutes or so so i think we probably turned it off because we thought it was dumb so that's kind of i don't know that's kind of the whole vibe of the movie to me like it almost feels like it's sort of in on the joke but maybe not mm-hmm. and like there is so much I don't know i feel like there's so much potential there for the movie to be really good if like some small changes were made but it's just it's just not it's not good. like did i enjoy it yeah but like it's not not a good movie yeah i think like i alluded to before there are some moments of like decent tension like especially um there's a scene it's pretty early on in the movie it's like I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes in, there's a scene w- where the doll is like on the bed and the main character is, I don't know, he's doing something in the bedroom and you see the doll in the background like shift its eyes, like doesn't even turn its head, like shifts its eyes to look at the main character. Like that mm. that kind of subtlety, I was like, ooh, like that's that's kind of creepy. Um, but, all, but all tension is lost from those kinds of scenes because of how because of the beginning of the movie because you literally watch the doll do a murder (laughs) you know what i mean like i think like having that so early on in the movie just took away any tension from the doll like oh the doll's spooky and he sees it over here like yeah we know the doll is a murderer like okay yeah the first kill is pretty lame yeah and it like (laughs) it like i think if it if it had happened in a different way where you're like, maybe he did kill his wife and maybe it's in his head, you know, where you don't really literally see it happen or like the detective of it all, like we're following along and we're not sure exactly yeah, what happened. Yeah, there was none of that. Exactly. There's no subtlety. <laughs> and then later when it, like when he's in the motel room and he's like sees the doll like looking creepy in the mirror, that wasn't scary for me at all because I'm like, yeah, that doll is spooky and it's definitely going to... It's like definitely gonna do something. It's already done. Yeah, like why the is worst he keeping thing it, could it around do. when he knows exactly? <laughs> why is he sitting that thing up in a chair in his motel when he knows for sure it murdered his wife? Like it doesn't make any sense. I, did you guys watch the same movie as me? Like, do you remember the very end of the movie? Yes. Isn't? I mean, yeah. I what? mean, should we? Okay, let's let's just jump to the ending. I mean, isn't <laughs> okay. Isn't the movie essentially explicitly stating that, like, basically all of the characters are, like, essentially puppets of Mary? Like, the movie ends with, like, the main character. Not until they die. But there's, like, a photo album with, like, the... the, Yeah, and, and like, like, he has been turned into a doll in the photo album. Because she murdered him. Like, what do you mean? Okay, so that was that's essentially indicating that he was added to like the photo yeah. of. Okay, I misread that. I thought it was like a twist I mean, ending kind of thing where it was like they were all under the control of of Mary a the whole twist time. Twist on and, the twist, and Jamie actually <laughs> killed his wife. You know, like the puppet never did it himself, kind of thing. I think that that would have been a more interesting movie. I don't think that that's what this movie was. <laughs> Well, while we're on the topic, let's talk about the ending since we're already there. So, like, you find out that the main character's dad 
has like been dead a long time that he had been converted into like a possessed a quote-unquote human doll like possessed by mary controlled by the puppet master who is the hot wife ella like (laughs) she's just like been behind it the whole time which is interesting because she's like the whole movie, I was like, man, why do you hate your stepmom so much? Like, she seems nice, you know? <laughs> like, the whole okay, time, I was like, she seems nice. Why are you so mean to her? Matt, at the 20-minute mark, I was like, oh, the dad's clearly a marionette, and she's controlling him. Like, obviously, that's what's happening. The framing of the shot, how he looks super dead. She was always standing next to him. Like, literally, I, I paused the movie and said, 20 minutes. I know it's going to happen. Like, you really didn't get, like, evil vibes from her in the beginning? Oh, look at me. I'm Paris. You were the marionette have, the whole but... time. <laughs> no. I feel like it was very obvious. Like, are oh, you... Okay, what? maybe in retrospect. I don't know. I didn't pick up on that while I was watching the movie. I do love the reveal at the end, though. Like, when uh, you just realize that... <laughs> when his whole back is open. <laughs> yes, and she's basically just like... dumping soup in a bucket below. <laughs> that was so showed her like when his back was open and it showed her with the stick i was like first of all is that how puppets work like you can just like make a man's mouth move to that anyway with a giant stick i don't think so but also like (laughs) yeah logistically it was like "Mm, i don't know but (laughs) why is she pouring this (laughs) i couldn't that's just such a weird touch like that i I loved it did you guys watch um What's it called? Did you guys watch Malevolent, James Wan's new movie? Uh, yes. Do you mean Malignant? Yeah. Was oh, that Malignant. It? I malignant. was, like, no, was going to say Maleficent. Malignant. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought at first, too. I was like, I don't think he did that, Matt. I think that was Disney. <laughs> yes, Malignant. Like, there's definitely... Yeah. <laughs> that movie, I think there's parallels to draw with with Dead Silence in that Like, you're kind of thinking, like, is this movie in on the joke? Is it not? And I think ultimately James Wan is in on the joke. Like, how could he not be with that scene with the fucking, the soup and the, like, the hole in his back reveals that? Like, it's just so silly. And I think part of the reaction to the movie, especially at its time, was, like, it just felt really stupid, right? But I don't. I don't think right. that this movie is like taking itself seriously. You know what I mean? I at certainly all. hope not. <laughs> it's just. It's not always effective at what it's doing, and that's part of the reason why I was like, okay, I, this is funny. I'm enjoying this. It's kind of creepy. There were moments where it was like that, and then there were other times where I was like, okay, this is just dumb. You know what I mean? Like it's well, it's a hard line to walk, and I don't think this movie is always successful at walking that line, but. When it's good, it's great, I think. Yeah, and on top of that, um, this was the follow-up to Saw, so I feel like people had expectations, and this is definitely going for something different than Saw. So yeah, I, that Saw... probably played into people's like reaction to it as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's Saw feels true. like it, it's definitely, despite the fact that it can feel a little goofy now, Like I remember when it came out like, we, we talked about this a bunch, but, like, it was definitely taking itself seriously, and this movie seems to not be at all. Mm-hmm. 
But do you really think that's intentional? You don't think it's like original Evil Dead vibes where they didn't really realize that what they were making was ridiculous? And then later we're like, oh, yeah, this is actually ridiculous. Let's just go with it. I I mean, that I could think he be was the in case, on it. but it, it, I don't know. Evil Dead, that's interesting that you bring up Evil Dead because that is a movie that you watch and you're like, is this suppo- am I supposed to be laughing at this? And then Evil Dead 2 feels like a direct reaction to Evil Dead 1 where well, it's it, like it was, explicitly yeah, funny. Yeah, so I mean, it's, that's literally what happened there. Yeah, no, I know. But I, I, I don't know if I agree <laughs> that that was the case with Dead Silence. Like, I... I mean, it's a movie about a fucking ventriloquist puppet. Like, I I have to feel like I have to believe that they didn't go into this trying to think they were making like a serious, like actually scary movie. I mean, Annabelle is about a creepy doll. And that was like a serious, scary movie, right? Serious yeah. Horror, right. Annabelle's not trying to be Annabelle's trying to be creepy, though. For sure. Right. I don't, don't think, think that this was doing trying to do the same thing. There's no sense of like goofiness or fun in Annabelle. It's all over Dead Silence. Like I, I just James Wan's style like for me with Dead Silence especially it's just not conducive to like a serious movie like the cuts like there's the, there's the weird transitions where the camera like zooms in on a person's oh eye and then you the transitions to, to the change scenes yeah where the, you just see like the, the car driving like <laughs> i just I, yeah i loved it too i loved it too but like you can't look me you, like there's no way you could like say straight to my face james wan thinks this is like super serious and amazing you know what i mean like i just can't i don't believe that like it's I mean, cool I think the fact, but i think the fact that donnie Wahlberg was casted you know was cast pretty much shows you that this movie is a joke right you don't cast danny Wahlberg if yeah, you're trying exactly. to make a fucking you know? <laughs> james wan's no. influences weren't fucking uh you know the changeling the exorcist like he wasn't like trying to do like a super serious uh like a prestige horror I just, movie i wish it had maybe then leaned into that a little bit more or something because it did feel like that was the stuff that i enjoyed like the goofiness of it and the absolute ridiculousness of it but i kind of i don't know i kind of wanted more or something no, i don't know well that's part of the reason why i don't think the movie is completely successful because like with with james wan's movies like that's kind of how i feel about a lot of them is they're trying to be playful and kind of silly but also scary like insidious i think is a good example because some people legitimately think that's like a horror masterpiece and i think that movie is garbage like i think it's so stupid and it just does not work for me okay and i don't know like i i think it's just a matter of like taste i guess like james wan is a very like singular like polarizing like mainstream horror filmmaker and he swings for the fences every time (laughs) and you know whether it works for you i guess like i said as a matter of taste but insidious i think is like very very not scary and feels like it's trying very very hard to be scary and just comes across as goofy as hell now quick question for y'all was is this the this and saw are the only things him and lee one l partnered on 
No, they did um, uh, The Conjuring. No, The Conjuring was not Lee Winnell. It might be, actually. I thought, I thought Conjuring was Lee Winnell without James Wan. No, The Conjuring was James Wan without Lee Winnell. Oh, okay, interesting. Because, like, we, we've been talking about, like, James Wan's vision and how he had to know it was goofy and stuff. But, like, apparently, like, Lee Wanell was so unhappy with the finished product of this, like, due to a bunch of studio interference that he tr- he was like, fuck this. I'm going to write all future specs on, or all future scripts on spec, as opposed to what happened with this one where they pitched an idea and then they were paid to write this sc- the screenplay because he was just like so unhappy with how it turned out hmm. so i'm curious that that's why i was asking about their partnership because you guys seem to think james wan has this kind of singular vision that is basically in this movie it sounds like maybe lee Wanell did not well so they did the movies they did together were were saw dead silence and in, insidious so those were their like main partnerships, and Lee Wanell did like the other Insidious movies. Um, James Wan might have done. There's like four Insidious movies. I can't even fucking keep track anymore. I think James Wan did the second Insidious movie too, mm-hmm. but one of them Lee Wanell did himself. Like it was probably the third one. I think like he wrote and directed it. I'm pretty sure. Um, but I feel like. Mm. I mean, there's some goofiness in the there's... stories and in the dialogue. Like, I do think they, the two of them, like, were you know, like their their styles, like they work well together. I think that's part of the reason why they had such such a successful like partnership early on. Um, when you were doing your research, Paris, I mean, was it more like specific about like did it say like what exactly like just like studio interference they made tweaks to like his screenplay or was it more tweaks on like the you know like like uh james wan's like vision for the film like what what specifically was did it say i didn't find like what the specific tweaks were but it seemed to be tweaks on specifically the screenplay because he said that like in the future he would want like full creative control over the screenplay which he didn't have in this one oh okay I mean, that makes sense. It's a pretty stupid screenplay when you really get down to it. Yeah, <laughs> like, the script is... It's a dumb movie. The writing's pretty garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's that's one of the weak links of the movie is just, like, this, like, very awkward, like, you know, like, we've kind of alluded to this, like, myst- like murder mystery type family, um, like, history, like... There's literally the scene that we've seen in a bunch of movies where, like, somebody goes to the library and they're looking at, like, the microfiches of old um, <laughs> newspaper clippings from the fucking 1910s or whatever. Like, we've seen Wait, when that. when did that happen? Do- that doesn't uh, the main character go to the library at, like, I think it's, like, halfway through the movie. He's, like, doing research on the... Um, Mary, right? Was he? I don't he recall if he went to the library, but he was definitely doing some research. He fi- he finds a book that has all those clippings in it, but that's like at the theater. I mean, it's been... I haven't watched the movie in like three <laughs> weeks, but I'm pretty sure there's a scene where he does that, right? 
Maybe not. I mean, I, I watched it two days ago, and I know for a fact that he opens a, like, scrapbook. He finds it at, like, the the theater area where a bunch of shit goes down. How convenient. He, right exactly <laughs> like it the whole movie is like convenience oh but a yeah clue. <laughs> <laughs> like it's got like articles and like pictures of things in it and then that's where they like find like stuff later it's I, very i'm 98 sure he doesn't go to the library I or, have... or try to do any research he's just bumbling along until the plot leads him to the next place he needs to be <laughs> i have like a very vivid memory of a character like one of those like super generic like doing research through old newspaper clippings i wonder if it's a different movie i watched recently or something and i'm like mashing them up in my memory it's very possible it's it was probably like three weeks ago that i watched maybe even a month ago it's been a while it's been a while since i've we have uh... you were on it yeah (laughs) we were supposed to watch this or record this like like a month ago. <laughs> well, we did the last one like a month ago, but it's been, um, you know, we've been busy. We've been busy bees. Yeah. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on uh, on Dead Silence before we move on to Possum? Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a very long pause. Um, I only have one other thing. Because, uh, did you guys watch this on Peacock like I did? Yes. Yep. Okay. So, I was very curious because apparently there is an unrated version with Mary Shaw's long Venom-like tongue, like the character Venom. Um, and it's made up from all of the tongues of her victims. That sounds amazing. Right? I was like, (laughs) I want that. I want that movie. Like, what is that? Fucking I'm gonna have to rewatch this movie, but... The unrated one. Apparently. Um, oh, yeah. I was going to say I did kind of like the score. It sounded like iconic and classic, but like a maybe like a 2000s remix version of one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, was the was the intro but like it, the score in the beginning? <laughs> Could have been that, way worse. That wasn't just like the John Carpenter Halloween theme remix, right? It sounded very similar. No. I don't think it yes. was, but it, yeah, it does sound like a remix of a very similar like style. Of yeah, it's like the, the opening theme, theme has that like, dun, 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 but like it's pe- it's like keys or something. Yeah, uh, like it, it definitely sounds like th- that's the kind of vibe it feels like they're going for with uh, that like intro theme or whatever. And like the old Universal logo, and then all of a sudden you're like in a early 2000s movie, and you're yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> opening credits were pretty good. Oh, I, oh my God. Honestly, yeah, they, those opening credits were amazing. They set my expectations <laughs> too high. <laughs> oh, real quick before we do star ratings, I, I loved the like mechanic where like the, the sound gets sucked out of a room, like the scenes where like you know Billy the doll would like you know be on the prowl and the oh, sound you mean where gets sucked out of the room. Dead silent. Yes, <laughs> as the name suggests. <laughs> where you could just, but it would it would emphasize particular sounds, right? And it was kind of I don't know. I feel like it was kind of inconsistent with like the things that you could hear or could not hear, like as the audience. I mean, um, but I thought that was a neat 
mechanic. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I, I thought it was pretty cool. Like that that concept of like the dummy like sucking the sound out of the room. I thought it was effective. Like that, like that's where most of the tension for me came from is those scenes. I felt like that could have been cool in more, ex- I don't want to say experienced hands, but like someone who could do better. Like this whole movie, it like it's it, like we we've kind of been dancing around it a little bit. Like the production design was really good, et cetera, et cetera. Like this whole movie feels like it could have just been done. Like if it had been given to a more talented person, it would have been like a whoa, really good whoa, whoa. horror movie. I don't. Know I'm not saying any... I didn't enjoy what it was, but I feel like it could have been actually really spooky. I can't think of any other filmmaker who could have made this movie. And it not be like any scenario I'm running through my head of like somebody else adapting like this screenplay and this crazy story just seems like it would be horrible. Like part of the reason why I think it's like kind of successful is like because of James Wan's touches. Like it's such a dumb movie. Like I don't know. But that's what I mean. Like it could have been. It could have, you could have taken a similar concept, right? Where it's like a spooky, you know, folktale from a small town where people get murdered and that's the, you know, the urban legend of it all. And then a guy has to go back to his small town and kind of figure out the mystery and whether it's real or not. Like, that sounds like a great, scary movie, you know, skeleton. Yeah, well, well, when you break it down to its core components of the of the plot, sure. But like what actually happens in the movie, like the actual screenplay, I don't know if anybody else could have done more with less, I guess is what I'm saying. Like this movie as it's written, like these characters, the stuff that happens in this movie, I don't know if I can't think of someone who could have done it better. But you're oh, right, yeah, like I mean, the, the bare, like the bones of the, like the idea, I guess. If somebody else had taken this idea, it could have been a much better movie. I mean, I agree with you there. For that's sure. what I meant. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I meant. <laughs> like even the puppet stuff, like when you think, oh, maybe like Billy is alive. And then later it turns out like, oh, no, it was just Mary Shaw, like somehow haunting all of the dolls. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if Billy had actually been alive the whole time, that's interesting. That's spooky her like haunting all the dolls just felt lazy and like okay how or why or i guess whatever you know what i mean yeah that's true but at a certain point like if it had gone that direction then people would have just been like well this is just ventriloquist chucky you know (laughs) like a possessed doll that exactly a better movie right (laughs) (laughs) okay Let's uh let's let's wrap this one up. Uh, let's do star ratings. Um, I'm I'm going right down the middle. Two point five. I'm going right down the middle. Three stars. Whoa. I'm also Whoa. going right down the middle. Three stars. Three stars is not right <laughs> down the middle. Okay? I am on Trav. I'm with Travis with on this one. We've talked about this many times on this podcast. Oh Two point five <laughs> is not in the middle. Two point five. Mathematically, what is half of five? I, I was just about 5. to say, mathematic, mathematically, it may be, but when it comes to, like, rating and reviewing, three is the middle. Duh, I don't know. 
Can't agree with you there. Because zero yeah, is cause not it could, part of the star exactly. rating, right? So it could be, be one or two is bad. Four or five <laughs> or is good. Five. Three is the middle. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Matt, did you just hear what I said? No, yeah. I just don't agree. <laughs> You're a, just wrong. You're th- wrong. A three for me is like on the side of I liked it, but it has a lot of issues. A 2.5 for me is truly like a right down the middle. Like it's not a good movie. <laughs> Oh boy, it's not a good movie. It's not a bad movie. Oh my god! <laughs> a three for me, anyway, leans positive. A two obviously leans negative. A two point I mean, five is like that's fair. But I think Travis and I are right, and we don't need to keep talking about it. It's fine. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right. Majority rules. It's fine. <laughs> okay, well that's dead silence. Let's go ahead and move on to part two of the double feature. We're gonna be talking about possum. <laughs> Plot synopsis on Possum is After returning to his childhood home, a disgraced children's puppeteer is forced to confront his wicked stepfather and the secrets that have tortured his entire life. I feel like that plot synopsis is like or that's like oh, too much. Agree like yeah, most of, most of that dark mo- premise. Yeah, no, it no, also no. gives just, away a lot what of what's happening. Oh. In the movie. That's what I'm getting. At. It's too much in that. Like a lot of that information is not. Anyway. Also, also not his stepfather. It was his uncle. Wicked stepfather. I mean, your uncle can be. Maybe it is. Nope, not know. unless they're married to your mom. Well, maybe. <laughs> Makes this story. Even he more calls himself up. dad. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's fun. No, he he says he's and he says you're not my dad, which you think means stepfather, and then later he says uncle, and that his parents burn in the fire. Yes. We don't need to argue about it, but I, I think the narrator situation <laughs> here. Oh, I mean, <laughs> we will get into that. <laughs> Well, let me let me finish up the introduction. So this is a uh, 2018 <laughs> film. What uh, else is there to say? <laughs> written and directed by yeah, we're Matthew, doing star ratings. <laughs> written and directed by Matthew Holness. Um, this movie has been on my radar for a couple of years, and I I wanted to um, figured it was the perfect time to do. Uh, Make an excuse to watch it after putting it off for so long. So I'm I'm very curious. It's a pretty fucked up dark movie. I'm kind of uh, interested to see where you guys landed on it. Okay, hold the phone. My mind is blown. So Sean Harris, the main actor, his voice is very reminiscent. And he, and now I'm totally connecting the dots, but man, a beard does wonders for this guy. Yeah, um, dude, he's the Mission yeah. Impossible guy. My I looked up, is like blown uh, right uh-uh. now. <laughs> I looked up a picture of him after and I was like, is this the same person? Blown away. Holy shit. This guy fucking works, dude. Like, yeah. He's he's a he classic like night. He was he, fucking He's a classic, oh, that guy king. guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's is this he's in Looper? No, I'm thinking of he's in Prometheus. Other guy who looks no. like him. Yeah, he's I in Prometheus. <laughs> um, no, he's not in Prometheus. What? Yes, yeah, he is. He's in Prometheus. He's in um, the Mission Impossible movies. He's like the the villain from the last couple. Um, Green Knight. Apparently, Dude, he's in he Spencer. He's like I'm unrecognizable so without a beard. I don't get it. Maybe it's just like the character he played and the outfit he wore and shit, but 
My mind is blown. Pretty cool, huh? I mean, I feel like that just shows how good of an actor he is because everything, his movements and like he did. I mean, the movie's very quiet. It's very silent. I feel like he's kind of a badass. And I mean, he is his character is far from that in this movie. Yeah. yeah, Pretty pathetic. The furthest thing from. (laughs) The way that he acts with his face is so impressive. Like, it's just he's so talented. Well, so uh, any volunteers for going first on this one, or do you want me to go? Only if you want me to go first again, Matt. I will. I mean, if if you want to, feel free. Uh, sure. I did not really like this movie. Uh, he's not enough of a lovable loser to really uh get attached to, and there lovable was just a uh, loser. <laughs> I just wasn't Got getting him. like Adam Sandler vibes from this one, you know? He's not like a uh, lovable loser. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, that Matt, was a when joke. You, <laughs> when you think lovable loser, do you think Adam Sandler? Yeah, absolutely. That he's made a whole career out of being a lovable loser. <laughs> that is so embarrassing. Name an Adam you. Sandler movie where he's not a lovable loser. Uh what was the one he just said? Uncut Gems. Yeah, Uncut Gems. He's kind of a he's lovable a loser. loser. No, he's a loser. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, not very sure. lovable. <laughs> he's yeah, a schmuck. He's not a lovable loser. He's a schmuck. You are rooting for him, though. That is true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I, I thought this movie was kind of boring. There was too much uh, mumbling and bumbling. Uh, but I'm sure if someone like, you know, maybe explain the the art to me or the themes of the movie, I might like it a little bit more um i thought the opening credits were pretty cool just like dead silence uh i like the music as well i thought it added to the whole mood i like the mood and atmosphere of the movie and like i thought the sets and locations kind of added to that um but it's very much a slow burn and i, I don't know i just felt kind of distance from it the entire time hmm mm-hmm very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> Paris? I felt pretty similarly to Travis. I checked multiple times during the movie to pause it to see it's only how much time. <laughs> 85 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I watched it with commercials, so it was, uh, brutal. Uh, you know, 90, no. Well, I guess it was 80, 80 it was 82 and a half minutes. Um, Anyway, why didn't you um, use Matt's Shutter account? I could have used my Shutter account. I oh. just didn't think about it. You have okay. a Shutter it account? Was on, maybe it's yours. I don't know. It's whatever. I'm pretty sure it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to pay for Shutter? Yeah, I pay for yes. Shutter. Oh, it's your it's your account for sure. Um, <laughs> well, I I don't know. Sometimes I don't always like casting. From my phone to the TV, it's kind of an annoying thing, and sometimes it gets weird. So I just watched it on Prime. It was, like, on Prime with ads for free, so I was like, whatever. Anyway, I did pause it multiple times to kind of check where I was at, uh, because I was a little bored. It's not the right word, but I just wasn't, like, no, that's, engaged. That's <laughs> I Well, I, I, like, wanted to find it more interesting, I think, than I did, mm-hmm. but... 
about halfway through, I was like, okay, I'm not going to make it through this movie if I don't... I watched it last night also, so I was like, I have to watch it now. I was like, I'm not going to make it through this movie. I need to do something. So I started reading up on it. I looked up a lot of Possum Explained, Possum Ending Explained, Possum Reddit Threads. I went deep, you guys. And I think once oh, I had man. other people tell me what they thought the movie was about, I enjoyed it a lot more, actually. And I was very engaged in, or I should say, not maybe not very engaged. I was a lot more engaged in the second half. Hmm. Interesting. Here we go, Matt. Um, I fucking loved it. I thought, like, my oh mind was my honestly God. kind of blown. <laughs> Jack off hands in your general direction. Here we go. If I would describe the experience of watching this movie, I would compare it to edging. I was the oh whole time. God. I was the oh furthest thing from edging watching this movie. Let me yeah, elaborate. It's like literally it's the opposite of edging. It's well, being bored to the point of like no, I can't function it. No, like no, what? No. So the what? whole time, there's just something about, like, the atmosphere of this movie, and there's a sense of, like, dread, and just everything from the score to the kind of, like, detached cinematography. The whole movie is very much a slow burn, for sure, but each scene, I was, like, anticipating something happening, like... I guess I guess someone could view that as a negative, right? You just spend the whole movie waiting for something to happen and then maybe ultimately nothing happens. But I felt the whole movie going from scene to scene, like the movie was just making me feel very uncomfortable. So as the movie progressed, I was just building and building. And then the end of the movie, like I would say the last 20 minutes happens and edging this is where the Did edging analogy goes. <laughs> this is where it goes awry because obviously right. the ending of this movie, I was not like, oh, yeah, buddy. I was like, oh, God. Like, it's very uncomfortable and very but, dark. But the the sensation of, like, <laughs> you Especially know. Especially with the context of this movie, you yes. can't use the term edging. <laughs> but... Throughout the whole movie, like the the way it's constructed, the little tidbits of information that are really revealed to the audience, I was just all about it. Like I think this movie is so incredible, and I was very blown away by it. When you say little tidbits of information, do you mean the things that came like every twenty minutes? Because that was that was engaging to me. I was very into that I, I i liked the what's going on here you think you know something maybe you don't kind of the mystery of it all but there was so so much in between that i don't feel like it i don't feel like it kept that sense of dread it started with a sense of dread and it ended with that like in, in kind of an explosive way but there's just so much in the middle of all these gaps where I don't know it I'm not even sure quite how to explain it it kind of reminded me of it follows but I like what it follows does because I think it keeps that those sequences shorter and more concise and then it moves you on to the next thing and this one just didn't hit that 
didn't hit those notes for me. Well, the movie for me that I think came to mind while I was watching it was Eraserhead, which is one of my all-time mm. favorite movies. It's very like I, a, I a lot of what you a lot of what you see in the movie I don't think is meant to be interpreted or obviously is not meant to be interpreted as literal. There's a lot of what I meant by the pieces of information would be like early on in the movie where there's like the eye contact that the main character has with the kid, right? You're like, Oh, that's kind of weird. What's going on here. And then you see on the TV station, you know, there's like, Oh, someone's, someone's missing around the Fallhurst area. And I'll go, what's going on there. And then there's just the stuff with like Maurice or Morris talking about like the, the gumball thing. Like there's a scene where uh, Philip is like, what's in them? And Morris is like the same thing. It's always been in them. And he's mm. like, then no, I'm not interested. You know, it's very yeah. vague, but it's like the, those little tidbits of like unsettling information kept me, you know, it was like, it was like a carrot in front of a horse. Like there were these little pieces of inf- information that kept me invested in the movie where I think I didn't have, it kind of sounds like you, especially Paris had kind of a negative reaction in the in-between. Cause there's, you know, 10, 15 minute stretches where like, it's not a whole lot happening. Philip is wandering around Nothing in some happens. field. He's opening a bag. <laughs> you don't see what's in the bag. And then, you know, there's, it moves on to something else. And, but I found that stuff very, very unsettling. And maybe it's just because I was, I don't know, I was invested from the start. So I never like, lost interest you know like it seems like the kind of movie where it it could lose you can lose the thread very easily and as soon as you're out of it like it's hard to get back into it i just i felt like i never lost the thread i'm really curious i'm really curious i would love i never had the thread to be honest (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i really want to know what y'all's interpretation of the movie is because Like I said, I did a ton of research online. I have my own thoughts and feelings on it. I feel like it's very open to interpretation. Like Travis mentioned earlier, like it's, we have an unreliable narrator, a lot of stuff that could be, that are almost certainly not literal, that could be metaphorical, other stuff that could be more so. So I'm very curious as to kind of like, if you were to break this down, pure plot story, what do you think happened? Well, so I I can't say I have like a fully like concrete like I did not do like a Reddit deep dive. I didn't do like research into interpretations of the film. I just kind of like sat with it. So I don't know if I have like a complete understanding of exactly what happened in the story start to finish, but my interpretation at least with possum like the 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 puppet that he keeps in the leather bag i don't think like i think the puppet was real but i don't necessarily think (laughs) that that is what it actually looks like like for me i interpreted the puppet as being like a like a, a manifestation of of his trauma like he carries it around with him and it's very grotesque and horrible and no matter how hard right. he tries to keep it out of sight or get rid of it it just keeps coming back like i find it hard to believe that some sick fuck like made that puppet you know <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't know if i necessarily think that that's actually what 
it's supposed to look like. I do think there is some sort of like puppet that he carries around with him, but I more so interpreted it as like a metaphor for, for trauma in the sense that he carries it with mm-hmm. him everywhere. He spends the whole movie trying to get rid of it and he can't, it just keeps coming back. And at a certain point it's like, there's a sequence towards the end of the movie where you're meant to, or at least my understanding was you're meant to think that Philip felt like he was becoming possum. And I felt like that was, you know, a mm-hmm. metaphor for like being, you know, overwhelmed by the trauma and feeling like it's like, there's like a suffocating factor where he felt like he couldn't get out from under it. And he's defined by this trauma. And at a certain point he's becoming possum. Um, Cause there are scenes where he's like being chased by the cops, right? Like there's the, I don't know if I would call it a revelation, but like there's scenes where he's like I mean, hiding from the police and I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Is go ahead. he being chased by the cops though? No, like, not I, I, chased he's, by the He's cops. definitely hiding from the police. Okay. Well, I don't, we, we, we don't need to get too into my stuff yet. Travis, what do you, what do you think? What, what would oh, be your like um, A to Z? <clears throat> A to Z, uh, couldn't tell you. But uh, just to piggyback <laughs> off of what Matt was saying, yeah, loosely, I think the movie is just about like his childhood trauma and then like facing his demons, like trying to rid it or like face it head on. Um, and you just get to like, I guess, watch that play out. And it is. Yeah, it is a little, like, disorienting, though, because you don't really know what to, like, believe, like, as you're watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Like, right. even even early on, like, very early on in the movie where he sets the bag down at the bottom of the stairs, goes upstairs, comes back, and the bag is gone, right? Like, it's it, it has moved. Like, very early on, it's setting on this, like, is it supernatural? Is it in his head? And right. I think part of the magic of the movie is that it's it's never explicit, right? Like, it is very much open to interpretation. Um, and that's part of what I found so uh, intriguing about the movie, for sure. And the nursery rhyme um, stuff. I mean, I was pretty creeped out by the nursery rhyme stuff, like the poem or whatever, especially when Philip was narrating it. Like, ugh. Oh, yeah. Heebie-jeebies. I mean, there was also a nursery rhyme in Dead Silence. I definitely thought that this one seemed more effective, creepier, and didn't seem like a random-ass weird poem that wasn't scary at all that characters just kept saying for some yeah, reason. It was bad. Like in Dead, Dead Silence. Silence. It was, it was bad. Um, <laughs> Matt, do you want to pivot your theme of the double feature? <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> it wasn't really about puppets at all. It was <laughs> movies based around lullabies. <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead, Paris. Get into well, it, Paris. Yeah, so after doing some deep diving, after doing some of my own interpretation of the movie, I had some thoughts, like maybe Morris isn't real. The house seems almost uninhabitable. And so maybe Morris was real at a time, or maybe he is also a representation of the demons that Philip needs to fight. And this is kind of where I go back and forth on this. If he is real, I think that he's real and he was Philip's uncle and that 
his parent and that his uncle maybe used to live with him and his parents and his uncle would molest him. Morris would molest Philip and he started a fire to try to like get rid of Morris or burn the house down or something and it accidentally uh, killed his parents. Um, he feels tremendous trauma and guilt not only from you know being sexually assaulted by his uncle but also from like accidentally murdering his parents all this stuff and then he has a right he has this and so that's part of what he's carrying around but also like he's worried that he could potentially turn into Morris and that's haunting him as well and so my thought of the puppet was it could be interpreted as a literal just or a literally metaphorical way of like that is his trauma that he is physically carrying around with him but I also thought it could be that like he made that puppet to try to deal with some of his trauma and he's so like messed up in the head that he didn't realize that showing that to children and try to like work out that trauma with them is like inappropriate and that is a scandal from the beginning of the movie whereas early on you kind of think oh he's like molested children or something i think it's actually like that he was trying to work out his trauma with this creepy ass puppet and then i think him trying to get rid of it is obviously like him trying to get rid of his trauma as well but he can't yet and then at the end he's able to and see, this is kind of where I get into maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I feel like in the end, he gets into it with his uncle and he's like triumphant over what happened to him. And he's able to like end it. Either he did murder his uncle or he just got over it. And then the boy in the trunk is either like a representation of his innocence that he's finally able to like let go of and like let it out. Or his uncle was literally like a molester and like kidnapper of young boys. And he was or, able to literally let them out. Or... And this is how I think I would interpret it is I, I, I do kind of agree that that Morris is maybe was at one point a real person, but I don't know if the way he's presented in the movie, he's a real person. Right. I think that he that the Philip. I don't know if the movie is insinuating that he's ever like been a pedophile but what I do think the movie may be insinuating is that he did, in fact, kidnap kidnap that boy, and he was, in fact, trapped oh. in that room. And the 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 skirmish with the uh, the uncle that was more of like a metaphorical, like, oh, he finally overcame his demons and his inner trauma. Because the movie ends with like him, you know, breaking his uncle's neck or whatever, and then he releases the boy. The way I would interpret it is that he 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 was running from the police. He was like there were those news reports where it was like the description matches Philip. They talk about like a beige raincoat and we see these images of Philip hiding from the police. He gets spotted at the school. He goes to the school and he asks um, if he can talk to his old teacher. He knows what I did. And the, the his assistant like tries to go grab the teacher. And you hear like in the background mm. like, oh, call the police. I'm going to try to keep him here. And then Philip flees. So I think Philip did abduct that boy and was keeping him in that room. And may have literally 
released him in that instance. That's how I interpreted it anyway. And like, I don't know if the uncle was Mm. ever real, at least as we saw him, especially with the way that end sequence plays out where he was just like waiting in the room in the mask. Cause there was that conversation about the mask. Oh, you knew it was me. Like it felt to me like that was more of like a metaphorical conflict that was occurring within Philip and not like a literal uncle was hiding in the room waiting for him to come in and then like assaulted him kind of thing. You know, I guess, I guess I had a really hard time because the whole time I really wanted Philip to not, be a bad guy like I really wanted to like wanted Philip to get better and like he clearly was fucked up like regardless of whatever else was going on in this movie I think we can all agree like Philip was very fucked up yes and I just like really wanted I don't know I had a lot of empathy and I felt like I really just like like I wanted to see Philip excuse me I wanted to see Philip get better and be better. And, like, if he actually kidnapped a child, I feel like I wouldn't be in the same mindset. So I feel like, I don't know, I just have a hard time with that. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's interesting that you take that that, that approach. Um, because I I don't, I, I do think that is is the central conflict of the movie by the end of it is... Philip was abused, sexually abused, as a young child, and now as an adult is also, like, there there have been studies done that show, like, a lot of pedophiles were themselves abused when they were children by usually family members, you know? Like, there, there have been studies done that show that can be a, a big determining factor in in pedophilia as a phenomenon is sexual abuse as a young child, right? So I think that's part of what the movie is going for is is trying to... It, it, it's hard, right? Because I do think... I agree with you that the movie is kind of trying to portray Philip as sympathetic in a sense because I do think the movie is ultimately about his internal conflict, and that's what the movie is doing in the sense of like the unre- unreliable narrator aspect of it, where you don't know from scene to scene if what you're seeing is really happening or not. And I think that is the reason for that is because the whole movie is essentially a metaphor for Philip's internal battle that he's having, if that makes sense. So, Travis, you've been quiet. What do totally. you think, bud? <laughs> yeah dude spot on Matt <laughs> so I I am so Travis your your experience watching the movie was it mostly I mean I don't mean this is like a like a criticism like were you mostly just watching the movie like literally like and that's part of the reason why it didn't connect was because you were just kind of like i don't know what to think of what i'm watching um it's maybe a, a little, little bit, uncomfy yeah. and boring you know is that kind of yeah because i could totally see that being someone's reaction to the movie yeah i would say for the most part i i would be curious to maybe go back and watch it again uh not that i'm gonna like rush out and do that <laughs> but it is pretty short and Mm-mm. i do think there were some redeeming qualities I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad movie or anything. It's just 
wasn't really my cup of tea and wasn't I wasn't really vibing with it like you were. Mm-hmm. But I could see myself uh, going up on a rewatch. Mm. That's what I love to hear. It's got room to Interesting. grow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I kind of blew my load on that one, so <laughs> I don't have too much more to say. But yeah, um, <laughs> all that edging. You gotta release it at yeah, some point. Yeah, I really don't like any of that in the context of the movie. That <laughs> That's why I was in. like, by the end of the movie, I was like, ugh. Bad metaphor. <laughs> but that is, you know, I was very into the movie in that sense of like, I kept waiting. It was the anticipation of what was going to happen. And then what happened was um, bad. No bueno. Bad time. No good. <laughs> yeah, that I was. I was, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I I was a little taken aback by that final scene because it was like, in the context of the rest of the film, it's not like it comes out of left field, but it was very like, whoa, like this is v- making me very uncomfortable. And I mean, a lot more happens in the last five minutes of the movie than damn. Maybe the whole rest of the movie combined. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 very much like a culmination of all the stuff that had been happening previously. What a um, climax! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's th- this is a movie that like I'm not immediately gonna go and rewatch it, but I am like very much wanting to come at it again with the knowledge oh, that yeah. I have now, like a different perspective. Matt's putting a heart on this one on Letterboxd. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I um it's interesting. So I don't I don't know if I had mentioned this to you guys when I when I picked this movie, but there, there's a guy I follow on Letterboxd. I, I might have even talked about it on the last episode when I announced the picks, but there's a guy I follow on Letterboxd. He his favorite horror movie of all time is Halloween three season of the witch and possum Hmm. is like his second favorite horror movie ever. Like he thinks it's like the best horror movie. Give him a plug, Matt. Let's let's get the handle out. (laughs) I don't know it off the top of my head. I have to look him up on Letterboxd. But what's interesting, part of the reason why I thought I might like this movie is okay. I'm, I'm just going to talk about this guy that I follow on Twitter. So he, two of Twitter his... Twitter or Letterboxd? Twitter, well, Twitter initially then okay. followed on Letterboxd, mm, is how it goes. Story's changing. Two of his favorite movies of all time, get a load of this, The Master and Cold War. Mm. What's Cold War? Cold War one is one of the greatest <laughs> movies of all time. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever even heard of that movie. Cold War is amazing. Not gonna get into it on this show, but feel free to reach out after the show for the magic <laughs> that is Cold War, Jesus. or 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 listen to Cinephiles Digest top thirty films of all time coming soon. Are you to following a podcast this person and, and they're following you, or is this just you're standing this guy? No, he follows me too. It's not just me standing this guy. Thank but anyway, I, he's been talking about this movie for a while. So it, it had been on my radar. I mean, it was on my radar beforehand, but I was like, hmm, this guy likes Possum. This guy likes some good movies. This guy fucks. This guy fucks. You know, maybe uh, maybe there's something going on here with this Possum movie. And sure enough, there was. All right. Spot on. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's give some star ratings. Um, 
I'll go first. No surprise. It's five stars for me. Full five. Full Holy. five, dude. That is a surprise. You I thought your the ending was going to bring it down to a 4.5. Honestly, you did not talk it up enough for the amount of shit that Travis and I talked on it. Did I, I guess not? Travis, his lack of talking. I didn't talk much shit. I mean, I, yeah, you didn't talk much of anything. <laughs> I gave my initial thoughts. That's, that's enough. <laughs> Matt did not talk this movie up enough. Are you joking me right now, man? Five stars, man. Are you Get shitting on my dick right Get now? On it. Paris, me and you spent like 15 minutes just dissecting the fucking literal A to Z, as you put it, of the movie. Well, yeah. this is huge. I'm, go- I'm going Whatever. right in the middle on this one. 2.5. <laughs> I don't know how, but I happen to be exactly the same as Travis on both of these reviews because I'm going a solid 2.5. Oh, my God. God. Although I wanted to say, I forgot to mention it before we did star ratings. This is the literal only movie, definitely the only movie we've covered, but the only movie I've ever seen that has literally zero trivia entries on IMDb. I ha- I had to dig deep. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, like I said, Reddit stuff and whatnot, but this movie's been out for three years and it has zero entries in trivia IMDb shooketh it's a uh, criminally underseen which means this episode is probably going to be criminally under listened to but we will uh... <laughs> I, think, I think both the movie and this episode will be listened to just the right amount <laughs> um Travis I just need to say uh you've been spending too much time with Kyle my dude because I see Kyle gave this movie two stars and, he uh, does not give out free passes. That is for sure. Someone's mm, jealous. I think yeah, you guys are just uh, mm. need to learn how to appreciate art, my dudes. Matt wishes you were sucking his dick more, Travis. It's I've just had to deal. be a little <laughs> bit more critical these days, you know? No way, dude. It's you no fun just to. always being right in the middle. Keep, you got to make a statement. Keep See, so... The thing about movie like letterbox style star ratings is to be like overly critical is really not taking into consideration just how many truly awful to mediocre movies there are out there that you will Mm -hmm. never watch or see. But here's Mm -hmm. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. All ratings are subjective. Mm -hmm. I use a different rating scale than Travis does, than you do, Matt. Like... It's up to the person. So fuck off with your not taking into consideration, like whatever. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, Paris. But what I'm what I'm saying is that like I'm talking about Kyle specifically. Kyle, I know you're listening. God, fuck Kyle. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't, I'm not talking shit on Kyle. Travis, just, Travis, you literally need to suck Matt's dick more. He is hey. so up his no, own no, ass. No, 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 listen, listen. What I'm saying listen. is that when you have that approach to rating a movies where you're like, oh, I, I reserve like five stars for like I'm the not best that like that, of the best. No, I'm not saying you're like that. I'm just We're saying. We're talking about Kyle. You've here. been spending too much time. <laughs> oh specifically my Kyle. God. <laughs> no. Guys. No, but poor Kyle, where, poor Kyle, wherever he is. Kyle's hey. approach. <laughs> Oh, Kyle's great. I love Kyle. But what I'm saying is that Kyle's, Kyle's approach to rating, to rating movies is like, I feel like you're not taking into consideration like 
how many movies you're not watching that are way, way, way worse Matt, than what you're seeing. I've, I I completely agree with you, Matt. Any of this. And I I understand and see where you're coming from. What and this really boils down to is that you guys, two point five is just I'm I'm embarrassed for you guys. You're just but uh, you're on the I wrong side say, of history. Matt, on I'm embarrassed at, for you. I'm if you look at you. my my curve, I've I've logged almost what, 2,500, 3,000 movies on Letterboxd? If you look at the curve, I am very positive. Like, if you go three and above, I bet you that's, like, at least 70% of the movies I've watched. So I'm generally pretty positive. I will say lately, maybe I've skewed a little negative by, like, a half a star or so, but you know what? Sue me. It's a little more fun when you go a little further in one direction. You know? <laughs> No, for sure. You got a good That's curve. That's why though. I have more curve. five stars. <laughs> I have more five stars than any other rating, and I have the lowest in four stars. Four stars is my lowest. Oh, I love giving so, up four stars. Nope. Paris picks a side. Paris I is not give, doing any of this down yeah. the middle shit, except for literally both of these movies that we reviewed. Today, yeah, because but. they were both medium. Uh, I'm usually very like, if I fucking like it, it's a five star movie. If I don't like it, it's getting freshly rated. Yeah, like it's actual <laughs> trash. I have, you guys, my four stars are literally so low looking at this. But, okay, can we just fucking wrap up this episode, give my picks, like, sign yeah. off? I'm going to pee my pants. Jeez. I need to go. God. I Jeez. am going to pee my pants. I need God to go. damn. All right. Well, that's going to fucking Y'all. do it for this episode. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Paris, it's Talk your turn next. edging. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh Paris, it's your turn next. So it is uh, – well, actually, no. I think you may have told me your picks, but it's a surprise to Travis. What um, What do you have in store? What are your picks for the next step? Yeah, so my – the next episode theme is going to be Megan the Fox, like Megan the oh. Stallion. <laughs> and uh, my picks are Jennifer's Body and Megan's new film, Till Death. Very excited for Exciting. both of them. They are both streaming. I did not write down where, so that'll be a mystery as well. Um, but yeah, I'm super stoked for us to watch these. Haven't seen either of them. Been wanting to put Jennifer's body on the pod for a while and seemed like the perfect time with her new movie out. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. So Till Death, uh, I believe, is a Netflix film. So Till Death yes, will be on yes, there. Um, Jennifer's body, I can't attest to where it is streaming. I don't know if it's a Netflix movie, but it is on Netflix. Yes, I should clarify. I don't know if it's a Netflix original film, but it is on Netflix. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Jennifer's Body is on Amazon Prime. So It is, yes. I just double-checked. Very cool. Check her out. Sick. It's going to be huge. Can't wait for the next episode. So <laughs> subscribe to the feed. Send us an email if you have any ideas. If there's a particular uh, theme or double feature you want us to watch, fucking let us know. Cinephilesdigest at gmail.com. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, or even if you want to email and say you love the Mainline podcast and absolutely hate this one and we should stop. I've sent many of those emails myself, but Matt and Travis (laughs) keep not responding, so we're doing it anyway. Yeah, or that, or the other way, you know. Maybe you love this one. <laughs> Maybe you think uh, 
me, Tom, and Travis should uh, just kick go off out Tom. to pastures. Kick so. off Tom. <laughs> Hang it up. So well, we are hitting a milestone here. Perfect time to end it. Episode mm-hmm. 100. <laughs> right. Honestly, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll discuss off the air if uh, <laughs> we're going to have a poignant uh, final episode or not. I'm, I'm going to bet on not, but you know, you never know. <laughs> Um, knowing y'all it won't be fun <laughs> yeah knowing us <laughs> definitely not <laughs> uh, alright well that's gonna do it for this episode thank you everybody for listening special shout out to Kurt for producing the music for this fine show we love Kurt thank you Kurt so we'll be back for uh, Jennifer's body and till death thank you everybody for listening stay spooky stay scared Stay slaying.